everybody, how you doing? How you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Trees coming to you today with another episode of Talking Football. Uh, here at the end of the episode, Trees is going to have a great interview lined out for you guys with Kevin Ostriker, the main man from Locked On Ravens. Uh, we got a couple great questions for him. Not a couple. All the questions are great. You know, there's no such thing as a stupid question, and uh, Trees doesn't ask any of those. Uh, so we're going to be excited to hear about that. But first, the NFL, a business that never sleeps. I feel like I say it every single time we start the show. Dak Prescott, rumor comes out from Chris Sims of NBC Sports. Hey, Dak Prescott was offered a five-year, $175 million deal, $35 million a year. Rejects it. He wants the last year of the deal to be $45 million. You go on Twitter, it blew up today. I mean, that's been the, the topic of discussion this entire day, which is awesome. It's something for us to talk about. But my main thing with this is, how in the world would you look at that amount and say no? That was my initial question to it, because if someone laid down a piece of paper that was like, hey, over five years, you're going to get $175 million fucking dollars, I'd be like, dude, I would have said yes to a mil. I'll, yeah, I'll take another 174 of that, please. Uh, later comes out from Adam Schefter that that report was fake. Uh, you really do hate to see that because everyone talked about it. Everyone gave their opinion, whether it was good or bad. The opinions were out there. Turns out it's fake. In all reality, they might just be saying it's fake, but it was real. Who knows? Trees, I've done enough talking here. What are your thoughts on this, man? Yeah, so one, that really sucks for Dak. Let's start off with that. Like, that's a bad thing for him because for the most part, everybody's with you. Like, how the hell do you turn that down? So first off, I want to be like, that sucks for Dak. Uh, bad look. Nobody's ever going to be like, oh, sorry, Dak. You know, it's like, just move on with your day and just keep going. So that that's a tough one for him. Uh, second, the whole dispute from what I've been reading just over the last couple months has been, it's actually, he only wants a four-year deal and the Cowboys want him to have a fifth-year deal. I think he's saying, if I do a four-year deal, I can get another one of these huge max deals here. Five years, then it starts getting into the, well, is he old enough? Like, now we're only going to sign him to like a two- or three-year deal and not another four- or five-year deal. Um, so that that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. In the end, you just know that Jerry Jones is going to get this shit done before the season starts. Like, just yeah, like and I did with Zeke. It, it, absolutely. Um, but the thing here, like if a four-year deal – I would kind of be wanting to do that as well as an owner because, hey, if this guy just shits the bed for some reason with the amount of weapons that we have on this offense, I don't want another year of having to wait for you know us to be able to release him because we would have too much dead money or something with the trade. We hear it all the time as well. Like Matt says it all the time here in the office. The salary cap, it's not real. Like you can find a way around it. You can find a way to rework things and make it happen. Trace, I know you're kind of on the same boat there with that thought. But four years, I, that, I think I feel like that works out for both sides. Like I think that is completely fair on something that you would want to do in that sense for your organization and for the player. Because if this guy does win you a Super Bowl or two or at least takes you there or you're competing at a high level for it, then yeah, he's worth another extension of you know max money because he's already doing that. I just I don't see the negatives in the four-year deal in my mind aside from you get another year of extending the big amount of money. Yeah, exactly, and that's the biggest thing. And I'm with Matt. Uh, you know this. I've done articles on this. Like it is in a sense. I don't want to say fake. Like it's just like but like there's so many ways of getting around it. Look at the Jags with. Nick Foles here, prime example, right? They owed him $40 million for the next two years. They traded him 
got a draft pick out out of it and still only had to pay just over 18 million like 18.2 million of that 40 million done out of it don't ever have to talk about it again so yeah there's always ways out of it um i will say because you guys talked about on mic'd up two weeks ago now um with the whole aaron Rodgers thing about how is he going to be back or not and that's actually going to be a very tough one to get out of because of how much money they do owe him because they actually still are going to owe Rodgers. I think it's just over $50 million in dead money over the next two years. So I know yeah. you guys kind of talked about, is he going to be on the roster or not? I actually do think he's on the roster next year. I think it's the following years when you're going to start to wonder if he's actually going to be there or not. So yeah. um, interesting story to start off. Like that's um, a, what a great way to wake up on a Thursday, Thursday morning, you know, just kind of <laughs> like, Oh shit. Okay. Okay. NFL's getting, getting rolling early today. So um it's going to be a fun story to play out. Uh, I think that story and then just the whole uh, free agents that are still available like Clowney that are kind of the main points that I always look for at Twitter. But did any news get broken between those two stories? Yep. Uh, for sure. Uh, the crazy thing, not even crazy. Let's just get into Trisivia. I'm not going to try and continue the episode without that. We need to do Trisivia. We missed it last show. I apologize. All right. Let's get into that. I completely looked over it in the rundown as well. Trisivia, what do you got for us, man? All right. So there were three quarterbacks last year that recorded 20-plus offensive touchdowns with zero turnovers in the red zone. Who were those three quarterbacks? Russell Wilson. No. Patrick Mahomes. No. Carson Wentz. Wentz is one of them, yes. Dak Prescott. Tom Brady. No. Matthew Stafford. He was injured. That doesn't count. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Nope. Gosh dang it. All right, here we go. We're just going to run through the league, boys. Um, and girls. Excuse me. Um, here, let me let me pull up the list here. This is so much easier for myself. Derek Carr. That's a guy that always gets thrown in there somehow. He was not on this list. Oh, man. If you'd have said yes. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Nope. Matt Ryan. No. Kyler Murray. Negative. Jared Goff. No, you know that dude had turnovers. Hey, hey, you just want to throw it out there. Gardner Minshew, your guy. Nope. Jesus, criminy. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Yes, that's two. So who do I have? I've you said have, every quarterback. You have Carson Wentz and Lamar Jackson. The player you are missing is Josh Allen. What? He did not have a red zone tur- uh, interception. Or turnover, and he threw for he had he was part of 20 plus touchdowns throughout the season. Wow, look at Josh Allen coming up the ranks talking about, ooh, buddy, yeah, so hey, we might be territory. His, Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, here we go. Is his name going to come up for you today after looking at our rundown? Do you happen to have him on any of those lists? <clears throat> I do not. Do not. I know you told me I could see your list. I'm not seeing your list, so I had to ask. Uh, he's not on mine either, but let's actually just go ahead and get into that then after Shri Sivia. Uh, which quarterbacks are not going to be on their respected team next season, no matter the reason, whether they retire, they get traded, they suck. Uh, that's, those are the only reasons. Is there another reason why they wouldn't be on their team? Any, well, just bottom line. Whatever the reason would be, they might not be starting on their team next year. Trish and I went through before we pressed the record button and went through and wrote who will not be on the team. Trees, how many guys do you have on the list? 
out of uh, the 32 teams, 32 starting quarterbacks, who's not starting on the same team next year? I think I have seven on my list. So, Ooh, I so have let's, go, let's go division by division here. Okay. Okay. So, as always, what we like to do here, why, I don't know. We're going to start off with the AFC East. So, uh, from the AFC East, which quarterbacks, if any, do you have that will not be the starting quarterback for their team? So right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback. Correct. Next season, he will not be. Okay. There is one. There is one. Okay, you have nobody else. Not in that division. So I have nine people then on this list. I didn't even write oh. him down on my paper. Holy smokes, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So I have Jarrett Stidham as well. Real, oh, dude, I think he's the man of the future there. I know I know you and Melo do. And this is – hey, Melo, if you're listening to this, this is no disrespect for you. I just don't – think that he's the guy and why i mean it's hard because you haven't even seen him play in the nfl so it's also <laughs> hard to judge that but i guess i just wasn't the biggest fan in college of him so um especially when the lights got on him that last year when he was at auburn he was supposed to be the guy and i felt like he struggled a bit given he didn't have a lot of weapons in auburn i also recognize that but guess what he also doesn't have a lot of weapons in new england either so um I don't think he's the guy. And, I mean, sadly for all of us NFL fans, they may be just bad enough that they end up getting a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance and just be like, yeah, we're good. We're set and good to go. Um, I will say out of that, out of my whole list of names I have, this is the one I feel least confident that I'm right on. Okay, okay. So I was going to say, I feel like this guy is going to come in and be like, Julian Edelman? What's up, dude? Nikhil Harry? You're healthy. Josh McDaniels, my man, like, what's up? I feel like he's just going to walk in and he's just going to do his thing. I think he's going to tear it up. I will say Nikhil Harry's going to have a huge year this year. I think yeah. he's if, if healthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. We'll just stay in the, we'll just go down the AFC. So AFC North, do you have anybody in the AFC North that will not be the starting quarterback in 2020? One, 2021. Um... No, I almost put Baker Mayfield, but listen, this is his last opportunity. If he does not make anything happen this next year, they're done with him. They are they, – you have to be. There's no reason on wasting all the talent you have on that offense and the money that you've put into it now and while trying to rebuild that defense. It just isn't going to happen for you there. Yeah. Um, I also don't have anybody from this list. Um, I actually did not think Baker on this list. I thought Big Ben on this list and more of retirement purposes. Uh, I think he okay. is another injury away from – another major injury away from just being like, well, no way. It's just not worth it anymore. So yeah. uh, I did think about him, but not because of play. Uh, I still think that Big Ben is elite. Yeah, All right. absolutely. Moving to the AFC South, <clears throat> how many people on this list do you have? I have two. Okay. And those are going to be Philip Rivers and Gardner Minshew? Bingo. I also have those two. Um, and I really thought about Deshaun Watson. What? Because I think that he's going to just be like, fuck it. I want out of here. I have nothing to do, <laughs> nothing to do with it. Get me out of here, Bob. I'm sick yeah. of this shit. You're trading everyone else. You got me a running back who had one good year. Get him out of town. Don't yeah, want him here anymore. Exactly. 
Um, no, but I think seriously though, I think he ends up signing a long-term deal there. I think that he wants to be in Houston for a long time. That being Deshaun Watson, but I also could see maybe the Titans be like, ah, maybe we paid the wrong guy here. Um, and maybe Tannehill goes back to down to earth a little bit. So, um, I almost I, put him on my list as well. Gardner Minshew. I mean, that's something we've discussed almost every episode. Uh, yeah. Philip Rivers. I just think he's getting to the end of the road. His career's coming to an end here. The Deshaun Watson take, though, that's that's interesting on if he forces his way out of Houston. I doubt he's the type of guy that would do that, but if if all just hits the fan, who knows? And then Ryan Tannehill, that was another guy that I almost put on the list, but I didn't want to get super crazy here. That's fair. All right, uh, we will move on to the AFC West. I'm going to assume you have two people on this on this. Yep, and one of them is a guy that we discussed should have been traded this year. The Chicago Bears should have just done it. They should have made it happen. Derek Carr, I don't think he's a starter next year. In Vegas, I think they're going to want a young guy for Gruden's offense. I think Gruden is going to want a guy that he handpicks just for him, whether he ends up being good or not. I just think Gruden eventually wants that. And Tyrod Taylor, I have a feeling Justin Herbert's going to take that job midway through the year. Nothing against Tyrod Taylor. They're just going to go, hey, our offense isn't as good as what we want it to be. We might as well just get this guy reps while we can. This division is tough enough. Or it's going to be the complete opposite where he just tears it up. He finally has the opportunity to go, hey, I have a good offense. I got weapons around me. Let's make something happen. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I will say I think that there is discussion next year, just like how we have with Derek Carr. I think we're having the same discussion with Drew Locke next year. No way. I don't think so at all. I know. Drew, you, why? You, you love Drew Locke. And I'm just like, I'm starting, I'm just starting to wonder if now, like we went from, he had total hate on one side, like coming into the draft, including us. Let's not, let's not yeah. hide that. We did not like him coming in. Yep. And then like, he actually did very well the final five weeks of the season when he started playing. And now we're all starting to love him. I think he's now too far on the love side where I think it's going to come back to earth. And I think that he'll end up being a middle ground quarterback. And we're going to go, wow, they only lost the division by, to the Chiefs by two games. If they had a better quarterback, would they have won this division? I think we will have to be having that conversation. That's every team in the AFC West for like the last 11 years, though. Like, man, if we just had a better quarterback, maybe we're competing with the Patriots. Sure. No, no. You're, I don't know why I said sure. That's fucking false. Right? <laughs> no, that's wrong. Like, that's them saying, oh, if we had a better quarterback, oh, and the best coach of all time, oh, and if we had better GM that actually got more players and so well, on. Well, look, that's exactly what Kansas City's going to be, like, is and has become. Totally. Drew Locke, I mean, this is a kid who I, I hated. I mean, I was very vocal about it. I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. I thought the dude was just a douche. He compared his game. I'm not saying that because that he compared his game to someone that's pretty good in the NFL. In my mind, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, and I almost laughed in his face with like national media members all around me. Comes in, he sits, and then he comes in and plays in the NFL, and he does decently well. Like he competed against the Chiefs for a little bit. It was a snow game. His first time back in Kansas City. Couple missed throws. He's a rookie. His biggest thing in Mizzou was trying to overcompensate for the talent that they were playing in the SEC and trying to force and make things happen too much. Yep. He now has the weapons on every single level to be successful in the NFL. And the Broncos, they always play the Chiefs tough. I mean, the ESPN has been playing the last couple Chiefs-Broncos games on TV. I forgot how close those games were up until like the last two or three minutes of the game 
where Patrick Mahomes is throwing left-handed and then throwing across his body and then making something happen magical. Like there's just those plays that happen from Mahomes that help them win. Does Drew Locke do that? You know, on the other side of that next season, that's where my question comes in. Yeah. So I didn't put Drew Locke on my list. So I'm just saying I could see the conversation happening. So, but my list did include the two with you, Derek Carr and Tyrant Taylor. Yep. All right, moving on to the NFC West, or sorry, NFC East, moving mm-hmm. on to the NFC. So who do you have in the NFC East not going to be their starting quarterback in 2021? I think they do just bad enough that they're in a position to get a new quarterback. Ron Revere is going to go, hey, let's just get my guy in here. Dwayne Haskins just isn't picking us up. So I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback for them next year. They're still kind of progress, or excuse me, trying to rebuild that offensive line after losing Trent Williams. Your receivers are decent. That's something we've talked about quite a bit. You know, an undervalued receiving core. They have every piece that you would need to be good. Can they just take that next step and grow with Dwayne Haskins? Is he a part of that with having a new offensive coordinator, a new scheme coming into a second year of the NFL? That's my question, Mark. I just have a feeling Ron Revere is going to go, give me my own guy and let's go. I also only have Dwayne Haskins, not to try to just be the same as you here like we had the last couple of divisions, but um, this one actually hurts because I was a big believer in Dwayne Haskins. I kind of thought that he was going to be the guy, and uh, it kind of just hasn't lined up as well as you had hoped. And uh, I mean, th- some of that was like, ah, I thought Jay Gruden was going to be the, a good quarterback coach for him and so on and so forth. So that that's the reason for me on Dwayne Haskins. Um, let's just throw something out there. What do the Giants do if, let's say that they have a top five pick next year? Do they stick with Daniel Jones? If they have a top five pick next year, I mean, where I mean, where are they going to go? I don't think they go quarterback again. It's well, only going to be a second year starting. Yeah, so you're going to go into, yeah. I agree. I've just seen it on Twitter lately. That's like, yeah, that's like, if they have a top five pick, I could see them thinking quarterback again, given you – Gettleman would have to be out of there. Like he's not going to admit his fault there. I was just curious. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like what the Giants are doing though. Since you're going to ask that, like, yeah. I kind of like what the Giants have been building. You know what I mean? They they got a top five running back. They got themselves a top six quarterback. Hey, you're kind of putting pieces on the offense to do well. And I believe I've said this on here before. The last time the Giants won a Super Bowl, there wasn't any like giant ass superstars on their team. They had a good defensive line, they had good secondary members, and their linebackers were just good enough. What are they doing right now? They're trying to add their defensive line. They got some big guys up there. Their offensive line, they're working on. They got a young quarterback. They got a, I'm not even going to say decent, they got an okay receiving core. If Slayton steps up again and has another big year, maybe we're talking about him more. They got Evan Ingram. Then you got Saquon Barkley. I just feel like there's enough there on the offense to kind of keep things going so you can rebuild that defense and be a monster here in the next couple years in that division. It's just, do you end up matching up well enough with the Cowboys or the Eagles and the speed and firepower that they both have on offense? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. I just think those two teams are just too talented from top to bottom for them to really stick, stick around. So um, one thing we haven't talked about yet is the whole Deandre Baker situation. I don't even know enough about what's going on with that to freaking talk about it. Cause I'm so confused on, if he was there, if he wasn't, yeah. yeah. There's been like three stories of NFL defensive backs gambling in Florida, getting yeah. busted or flipping a table or just any – just stop going to Florida, I guess. Like, yeah. 
just stop gambling with your family members and friends. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. NFC North. <laughs> How many quarterbacks are not the starting quarterback next year? I have one, just Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Matthew Stafford might be on that list. Um, I think he stays healthy. I just think they roll with Matthew Stafford. I don't. I think it would be stupid for them to move on from him. Mitchell Trubisky, I really think they're done with him at this point. Now watch him just go out and hear all this hate this offseason because that's all everyone's done. I don't think any. I don't think I've heard a single person promote Mitchell Trubisky no. as a starting quarterback in Chicago. If they have, please point me in that direction. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think Mitchell Trubisky is starting there next year. So. I hate to do it, but I'm the same. But I actually thought that this one would, would be different because I could see – I could have saw you saying Stafford and I could have saw you saying Rodgers because of the whole Jordan Love thing. So um, I was like, he could name three. Uh, but I'm also <laughs> with you that it's just the one. Uh, if we're talking 2022, I think there's – honestly, could be all four of them. But, um, yeah, so I'm only with Trubisky as well. Uh, I'll say this. I don't think that the starting quarterback for – the Bears is on the roster right now for 2021. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. NFC South. Let, let, let's hear you go first on the South. Okay. I've gone first on the other ones. Who do you have here? How many? Um, I have zero from this list. What? I you don't have any quarterbacks from the NFC South not starting next year. Correct. Matt Ryan. Teddy, Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater, see you later. Drew Brees, dude's retiring. I, and it's funny because I, I honestly felt like I was one of the first ones saying the whole Drew Brees is re- going to be retiring uh, when we first started. Yeah. And now I'm like, you want to know what? I think he might be hungry enough to go one more year. Um, so This is the one more year. <laughs> no, I think there's one more after this. I really do. Um, and I could be wrong here, but um, yeah. And obviously Matt Ryan's going to be there. Obviously Brady's going to be there. He signed a multiple-year deal. And then I, I just don't think that they're – I think Teddy is going to be their guy, and they're willing to do two years with him. I think that they're going to say, hey, one year in this new offense isn't enough for Teddy. Uh, he's going to get two years of chances. Man, I think they just suck so bad. They land Trevor Lawrence, and there ain't no way you're leaving – I don't. maybe any of the quarterbacks on that roster – won't be there next year. I think they find a way to te- they trade Teddy Bridgewater to wherever that may be because there's going to be another team next year that wants a new quarterback, but they're not in a position to get it in the draft. Maybe they can draft another offensive weapon to pair it with Teddy Bridgewater, but I I don't think there's any way. So you think? do you think that the Panthers are going to be the worst team in the league next year? 100%. And I hate saying that because they have one of the best running backs in the NFL. They have so much speed at receiver. They have experience at receiver. They don't have a tight end. But their defense, their defensive line they've added to, but they're still young. Are they going to get enough pressure uh, together there to make something happen? Is their secondary good enough? And what do they have at linebacker now that Luke Keekley's retired? Yeah. And especially in that division. You play everyone twice, that honestly might be a guaranteed eight losses right there. Yeah, so um, I actually agree. I think that... Like my worry for the Jags. Six it, six losses, excuse me. Math's hard. Math is hard. It's fine. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think I'm with you though. Uh, I I could see the Redskins being in that discussion as well. 
and obviously the Jags, but honestly, I think that the Jags win one or two too many games. Uh, they're going to dolphin it this year for sure. Um, so yeah, I could see that. Okay. Um, so you're saying two, you're saying Breeze and Bridgewater there. Yep. I think the worst thing the Panthers did this offseason was go and get Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's the worst thing they did this offseason. Yeah. You should have just rocked out with Will Greer or the Allen kid. His name slipped in my mind. Who they traded. Yes, to the Washington, correct? Correct. Yep. yep. Kyle Allen, that's who you're thinking. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. So moving on to the NFC West. Um, I will say one. Oh, let's hear it, because I have one as well. But I have question marks beside it. You're going to say Jared Goff. No, Jimmy Garoppolo. Me too. And the reason is, I, I've been saying, I've been saying this on Mike Up, I've been saying this on everywhere, I believe. Just the the San Francisco 49ers fan base turned on him so fast after the Super Bowl, after they lost, and they were just like, "That's it. He doesn't do enough. We've seen it all season. It showcased in the biggest moment of the game as well. We need our own guy." This was his first year back after an AFCL injury. You know, this is his first time, of the first full year in the offense. Everyone being there, more like outside receiver weapons outside of George Kittle. They had a good running attack with like three or four different guys. Whoever had the ball was making something happen. And then their defensive line was just a, just one of the best in football, right? So I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, the fan base is just going to be so irate that they're they're going, hey, let's just get someone else in here. Like, let's see if we can get an Aaron Rodgers. Let's see if we can get Tom Brady on another one-year deal. Like maybe Tampa's like, all right, cool. Tom Brady experience didn't go so well. Let's go get our own guy. Who knows on how that happens, but I just – it's a huge question mark on if Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback after next season for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, um, and for me, it was actually because they – I think that they get, they got the contract perfectly where this was the make-or-break deal for them when they when they signed him because the dead money drops from $19 million to less than $3 million next year. So releasing him after next year will cost him less than $3 million if they decide to. Which so, is exactly why they set that contract up the way they did, right? Yeah, exactly. Like give it a three years, see what happens. And then if it doesn't, year four and five of that contract means nothing. So that is why I had Jimmy G there. Um, the question is, is like then, then who becomes the starting quarterback for the 49ers next year? And I know you just named some names. I don't think yeah. it would be Brady. I really don't. Um, that was just kind of like a toss-up, like just to no, see. And obviously, a guy like a guy like Aaron Rodgers is obviously like who everybody's gonna name. But it's just interesting to like who could be that option there. Um, so that would be interesting to play out. Let's see how that plays out for sure. If the Falcons have another bad year next year. Do they move on from Matt Ryan? You know, you know Shanahan. How much do they just pay him though? Uh, Matt Ryan, he got he was one of the more expensive guys. His contract was well over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, he, he just signed that last year or a couple years ago. Two years ago, I believe. Okay, that's I'm what I thought. Up, I'm pulling it up right now just to check, but yeah, I believe it was two years ago that he signed that extension. So, um. Sorry about this. Uh, 2018. Yep. So this is year three of the contract. Um, yeah. It's wow. Dead cap would be 75 million this year. 
Next Holy year's shit. Next year's forty nine, just under fifty million. We'll and just then it swipe that idea. Then twenty six, and then eight. Like they're basically stuck with Matt Ryan until after the two thousand twenty two season. So well, good for them. Then they got, <laughs> so they got swap three, that so, idea. Yeah, Falcons have three more years of Matt uh, Matt Ryan for sure. Dang. So altogether, we have about seven or eight quarterbacks that are potentially not starting next year for them. Uh, crazy to think about that there's going to be that much change potentially at the QB position once again in the NFL. But hey, that's just how it happens. Let's get into who the top five quarterbacks will be next year, who we think is going to have a top five season out of every quarterback, just five. Trees, do you want to go five to one or one to five? Let's do five to one. No, okay. let's no, let's do one to five because I think our there one we go. Is the same. Let's yeah. do one to five, but let's do an, an honorable mention as well. Because I think yep, we've like six where it was like this is tough. So yeah, um, I had another four that I was just kind of like ah, who knows? All right, so number one, I think it's pretty safe to say uh, Super Bowl MVP, your quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Yep, thank you. Ding ding ding. On to number two. On to number two. I have Russell Wilson as my number two quarterback for the 2020 season. For my number two is going to be Carson Wentz. I think the speed on that offense, I think if he can stay healthy, guys that can catch the ball, who knows what happens there. I, I like that, though. I like my number two. So So my number three, because you're starting to – I think it's because you talk to me so much, you're starting to love Carson Wentz as much as I do, and maybe even more all of a sudden apparently, because Carson Wentz is my number three. Okay, so hey, Russell Wilson is my number three. So our three, one through three, eh, we're pretty much on the same page. Number four, who do you have? I have the current MVP, and that's Lamar Jackson. What? Man, I got Drew Brees. I really think this is his last run, and they all know it. Like what we just, what we just watched with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, hey, this is the last dance. Let's throw everything out there and make it one last run, baby. Let's make it happen. Okay. I think this is it with Drew Brees. All right, man, some major disrespect for the reigning MVP right now from you. Let's see him hit a guy in coverage. You know what I mean? Let's just see him not hit someone wide open in the middle of the field that then run that has no one else to, you know, all he has to do is outrun everybody that he had already beaten in the route because everyone was blitzing. I just, okay. in so, my mind, I don't think Lamar Jackson is a good passing quarterback. Teams okay. are going to find a way to contain him in the pocket and then throwing the ball downfield. It just is not a strong suit for him. Some of the big throws that he did have down the field, lucky 50-50 balls that probably had no reason to be caught. Gotcha. Okay, so um, I do put uh, his running ability. (laughs) Did you hear that? Did you hear that big-ass bang? Literally everybody did. Yeah, Matt's in the fucking office building shit and just dropped his freaking blind from the window. So. Perfect. Yeah, we'll Thank call you. that out there. <laughs> Thank you, Appreciate that. Um, so uh, I'm putting the running ability of Lamar into this, right? Like that's why I put the, him in here specifically is because of that that threat there. Um, okay, so going on to number five, who is your number five guy? My number five, kind of a hot take here, Big Ben. I think he comes back. His arm's going to be healthy. I, I believe I've said this before. I think the elbow injury might be the best thing to happen for him in his career because now he's here at the end and he's got a new elbow. He's got, you know, fresh strength there. It's not 
been wearing on. There's not that agging pain afterwards. He might have a little bit, but maybe it's not as bad as what it would have been before the injury. Their offense is good. Their defense, they added Fink, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Finka Fitzpatrick. Look at that tongue twister there. But they add him to the defense last year, and they just shot through the roof on how good they were. You throw him in that division with the healthy Big Ben, who we've seen just keep games alive with just crazy-ass plays, this dude's going to have a phenomenal year next year. And I think some people are kind of starting to hop on that train. I would like to be the conductor of that train because I'm excited to see what this dude does. So he was number seven on my list. So I like that. I really like that. Number five on my list is Matt Ryan. I think that year two of Dirk Cutter in that offense, I think that they're finally ready to go. I think that uh, they got a new uh, tight end in Hayden Hurst. I think that Ridley is now in year three. He's going to thrive there. I think that Julio is like on a mission of like, okay, now all of a sudden – People aren't even talking about me being like a top two or three wide receiver. I'll show you. I don't care that I'm in my thirties. Like, <laughs> like Michael Thomas is not better than me. Like this is what I'm assuming that's going through his head. Um, so uh, that is who I have as number five. Uh, my honorable mention again, I, I was cutting it down to two, but since we were only doing one, um, big Ben just barely missed it. And mine is going to be Matthew Stafford. No shit. So, I did honorable Mitch ends, uh, just a couple guys that I wanted to put up there, but I just I couldn't do it. Uh, Philip Rivers, I think he's in a great spot to do something in Indianapolis that he doesn't, that he didn't have in San Diego or Los Angeles. I'm just gonna keep beating that into the ground until people get tired of hearing me say it. He didn't have an offensive line there. He has that now. Andrew Luck, where they go, like 10, 11 games without him getting hit or taking a sack. Can you imagine how happy Philip Rivers is gonna be? People are going to hate him by the end of the year because the only thing he's going to do is talk. He's got nothing to say to defenders like, you ain't touching me. Suck up on this. Here's another deep ball. Interception? Fuck it. Still didn't hit me. (laughs) Like, that's going to be Phillip Rivers' mindset next year, and I'm happy to see it. Deshaun Watson, too magical. Even if DeAndre Hopkins isn't there, I feel like he does enough to be put up there. Aaron Rodgers has redemption season, and then Matthew Stafford was the other guy that I put up there that was like, I would like to see something happen here. Coming back from a back injury. Let's do let's do something here now that I have a true running back. All right, cool. Um, another since we're gonna do multiple since you did multiple, Big Ben was my other and my other final one, Kyler Murray. Oh man, I didn't even think of him. Yeah. That'll be that's a good one. That's a good one. I love how neither of us said Jared Goff neither. or Tom Brady. Dude, I I died on the Jared Goff. Fucking whatever pull last year, dude. I had him as my MVP last year before this year. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, oh, you hate to see it. To that. We'll not be going back to that. So. Do do a crazy one that maybe you like you're going, you know, you're at the casino, like I'll put fifty dollars on this guy. Just because his odds are crazy if, if it were to happen. Um so we kind of talked about this a couple episodes. I mean Big Ben has fantastic odds so i will be putting money on big ben um it's weird because we talk about daniel jones daniel jones has crazy odds there uh but i guess josh allen just because his odds are like just his odds are fantastic and i like his schedule jared stidham I, I looked at his name and I'm like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jared Stidham. Dude, you want me to – dude, I'll do something very minor, dude. 
You want me to put like 20 bucks down on Jared Stidham for you? And if you win, you get the money. Yeah, 100%. Okay. All right. I don't know if that's illegal to do that, but. No, 100% is not illegal. So, <laughs> cut it off. Um, I get my money back, though. Like, you can have the winnings, but I get my 20 bucks back. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. That's awesome. All right. I think that does it for us. So, we are going to head into our interview now. So, everybody. Thanks very much, and we'll get to our interview now. All right, everybody, we have our interview ready. We have Kevin Ostriker from the Locked On Ravens podcast and also a contributor on the Ravens, uh, sorry, Ravens Wire. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad. We're happy to have you on. Uh, we were kind of just talking right before we started recording. We we wanted to get you on for our uh, Fuck, Mary Kill section, but it just didn't line up that way. But we're still happy to have you on. So uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, let's just start off with the question that everybody of our listeners is going to want to know. And that is, with me being a Jags fan, how does it feel to just basically steal Calais Campbell? Oh, man. Well, it, it feels great. Uh, not necessarily the stealing part, but I think that feels a little good also. I feel like when you trade a fifth-round pick for a guy like Calais Campbell, who, you know, not only a great player, as everybody knows, but but really an even better person. Uh, you look at him, Walter Payton, man of the year, and, you know, 33 years old right now, but still is plays in an exceptionally high level on the football field. Then you look at what the Ravens wanted. I mean, everybody looks back at that Tennessee game where Derrick Henry runs all over the Ravens, and and you see them just getting gashed up the middle. They couldn't generate interior pressure throughout the entire season. You know, Clayus Campbell, six and a half sacks in 2019, but before that in the 2017 and 2018 seasons for the Jaguars, 14 and a half and then 10 and a half sacks. So in three years for Jacksonville, 31 and a half sacks. Plus the pressure of the veteran leadership. I mean, only giving up a fifth round pick for him is kind of just that sweetener on that deal. So I think that pairing him with Ben Williams, who moves back to nose tackle, you know, Derek Wolf, who they add in place of Michael Brockers, that deal falls through. Their interior is looking mighty stout right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, and Clayus, he didn't get the sack totals last year, but the pressures were still there. He was still w- rated one of the top defensive ends in football. He has been for the last three years. I'm, I'll stick to it. In 2017, he should have won Defensive Player of the Year over uh, the sorry the uh, Aaron Donald. Like Clayus Campbell is a stud. You, I was sad to see him leave, but in, at the same time. Jags aren't going anywhere, so with him that uh, late in his career, I was happy to see him go to a contender. Um, one thing that maybe some of your new your listeners don't know is like I was a huge like Ravens guy last year. Austin, Austin, the co-host here, loved to give me a lot of shit last year when I said that the Ravens were going to be one of the top teams in the league. So I love that Lamar Jackson stepped up because we got in a very huge battle over that. So that was awesome to see. Um Let's just talk on, go on to something that you talked about on your last podcast, actually, and that's the Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin. You and I both like Miles Boykin, think that he could have a big breakout year. So, what are your thoughts on how how is this wide receiver room going to play out for the Ravens? Well, it's very young. Uh, you look at Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin, the two you mentioned, and I think the Ravens are relying on those two to make huge jumps. In 2020, the Ravens didn't go out and, you know, sign a stud wide receiver, you know, Robbie Anderson, Emmanuel Sanders, Amari Cooper, 
they haven't brought in uh, Antonio Brown and whether that's, you know, because of their policy on domestic violence and, and the off-field issues, there's that. But, you know, they have his cousin in, in Marquise Brown and, you know, the videos of him and Lamar Jackson, Antonio Brown, Jerry Judy working out together in Florida. Marquise Brown has taken it upon himself to get better. He was only playing, he said, around 70% last season because he had a screw on his foot, suffered a pretty brutal foot injury, and really didn't play up to his full potential. Still put up 46 receptions for 584 yards and seven scores. You know, had very good deep line speed, was able to run slants very well as well. He's actually a very polished route runner. People don't give him enough credit for that. And, you know, he only stands at 5'9". He's 170 pounds. That's pretty light, but he played actually under that total in 2019. So when you go and you look at him and then Miles Boykin next to him, Boykin and Lamar Jackson, I don't think we're ever on the same page last season. I've talked about that a lot. Only 13 receptions for 198 yards and three touchdowns. But, I mean, he's 6'4". He's 220 pounds. And I think the Ravens have a lot of trust in him because, again, I mentioned they didn't go out and draft uh, uh, C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy in the first round and trade up for one of those guys. They want Miles Boykin to be that guy for them. They develop, and he becomes that stud. He has a very high catch radius. You know, he's a beast in the red zone as well. I believe three targets in the red zone, three touchdowns. So he's a red zone weapon. And him and Marquise Brown complement each other very well. And then you talk about drafting Devin Duvernay and James Prochet. You have Willie Sneed on the roster as kind of that veteran leader. And, I mean, the two oldest guys on the roster— in the receiver room right now, R. Snead and DeAnthony Thomas both are 27 years old. So it's a pretty young, youthful group. But I think with that comes a lot of potential and potential breakouts as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you brought up Devin DuVernay and James Prochet. So uh, Austin and I saw them at the Senior Bowl, and we were vo- both very impressed by both of them. He, he, Austin's a Texas fan, so he obviously has known DuVernay. But uh, we were very impressed by uh, Prochet and just his – his ability just on practices, just on punt return alone was catching everybody's eye. His quickness and being able to catch it like on the run and whatnot. I think that he's, he has a real potential to make a difference in special special teams for you guys. Yeah, I think so too. And the Ravens haven't really, you know, had that guy at punt returner, kick returner ever since Jacoby Jones left, they've tried to go and fill out the the roster and that hole in particular. They tried Devin Hester as a veteran guy. They've tried drafting a few guys as well. It hasn't worked out with DuVernay. You have somebody you can place back at a punt return position like that. But also on the field, he's a slot guy. He has terrific speed and hands. And I mean, literally barely drops anything. And I think that's what the Ravens want. They've had these veteran receivers come in over the years. I'll, I'll mention Michael Crabtree as somebody who had those drop issues It actually cost him a game against the Cleveland Browns back in 2018. I think the Ravens want guys, and then you talk about, you know, James Prochet as well, who won't drop the football, who are sure-handed targets for Lamar Jackson, and extend those throwing windows because there is no secret Lamar Jackson had a historic season in 2019. If you want him to take that step up in 2020, not only does he have to improve on his skills, but I think the receivers you place around him have to make him better as well. And so maybe the stats won't be as gaudy next year for Lamar Jackson, but I think he'll get a lot more efficient as a passer because of guys like Duvernay and Prochet on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, kind of going right into that, uh, I want to talk about Greg Roman and his scheme a little bit. What do you think is the difference is going to be this year compared to last year now that everybody kind of knows what the Ra- uh, Ravens are going to be doing? Obviously, it's hard. It's much easier to say stop the run of Lamar Jackson than it is. Like It's a lot easier to say it than do it. But what other differences do you think that uh, Greg Roman is going to bring? 
I think Roman's going to want to have Lamar Jackson throw the football a bit more. And I think with that, I think Lamar Jackson's improvement comes back up because, you know, Lamar Jackson was actually one of the best pocket passers in the league in 2019, which a lot of people don't give him credit for. When you go and look at his throwing on the run, that's an area of his game where he has made plays but could still stand to improve. When you look at the Ravens offense, it's like their scheme there are so many different plays they can run out of the same look. So you can have them in the pistol formation and three different things can happen. You can have, say it's Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, you know, Lamar Jackson can put the ball in Ingram's belly and he can Mark Ingram take it. He'll run it up the middle. Lamar Jackson could also put the ball in Mark Ingram's belly and pull it back and run around. And that's the same exact look. He could also put the ball in the belly, throw it, you know, pull it back and throw the football. That's three different looks, three very different plays with the same look. So with Roman, it's about keeping that continuity the same in terms of making everything look the same. And that, in turn, requires the the defense to be extremely disciplined, especially those edge guys. When you talk about, you know, for the Ravens, it would be Pernell McPhee or Matthew Judon setting the edge, not crashing, not being overly, you know, adept to the run plays and being faked out by that. But overall, I think Roman's going to want to throw this football a little bit more and be able to kind of mix it up with teams. Get the Ravens in field goal position. I think that's going to be his primary concern, as it has been, you know, ever since coming to Baltimore, even before it was the offensive coordinator. I think he saw what Marty Morningweg was doing and kind of wanted to build that system around Lamar Jackson, and that has really made Lamar Jackson be the player he is because he's in a system that fits him. He has receivers that fit him, the tight ends, they fit him. And I think just going into 2020, it's about staying the same, but also tweaking things just a tiny bit to keep the defenses on their toes. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. So, all right, so speaking of the offense, um, you guys now have whatever you want to call it, four or five-headed monster in the backfield, if you want to add Lamar Jackson to that or not. Um, So you guys, first off, at pick uh, 55, I believe it was, uh, with uh, J.K. Dobbins, just a complete steal. Uh, He was my running back one, so I loved getting that. You obviously already had Ingram. I know that you personally love Edwards, so that's awesome. Justice Hill, I think, is one of the best athletes in the game right now and just hasn't gotten the opportunity with him being a rookie last year. And then Jackson. So I know that they've brought up and said that they wanted to do the four-headed monster. If that's a reality or not, who knows? Four, four people running the ball is a lot. I don't know if you can ever get a running back into a groove or not. So how do you see this backfield kind of playing out in 2020 and 2021? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, you mentioned it can sometimes be tough to get a running back in a groove if he's, you know, not getting 15, 20 carries, 25, even a game. And with Mark Ingram, you have somebody who really just seamlessly fit into this Baltimore, you know, not only on the field, but in the locker room, the Baltimore locker room. So then you bring in J.K. Dobbins, and I think J.K. Dobbins for Baltimore, he's the future. And I think, you know, if I, if I could have had it my way, maybe I would have taken somebody else and then had Gus Edwards kind of be that guy for Baltimore because I think that he's eventually going to leave because the, the carries aren't there for him. He's had over five yards of carry in each of the past two years for Baltimore, the two years he's been in the NFL. And then you mentioned Justice Hill. Those are four quality running backs. Now, Mark Ingram does have a $6 million cap hit for next year. So eventually, you know, if the season rolls along and rolls on and Mark Ingram, the production either dips or he gets injured, maybe the Ravens try to restructure that deal or maybe cut them all together and save a little bit of money that goes toward Ronnie Stanley or Marlon Humphrey or even, you know, way towards in the future with Lamar Jackson. But you have to see that I think J.K. Dobbins is is 
ultimately going to be the future for the Ravens. You look at Gus Edwards, he's on a one-year deal right now. He signed his exclusive rights tender for them. And I think this is going to be his last year because there's no way that this guy is not a starter in the NFL for any team. And I, I just want him and you know players who deserve opportunities to get those opportunities. But Justice Hill, I think it'd be premature for them to give up on a guy who they selected in the fourth round so early, especially, you know, just a few years back. But I mean, with the depth on this roster, there might be some sacrifices that have to be made. Maybe Edwards is trading in a preseason deal. Maybe it's Hill who's the odd man now. But for Baltimore, if they do stay true to what they want with this four-headed monster at running back, and you mentioned five, if you maybe want to include Lamar Jackson in there potentially. I think that it's going to be difficult to give all the running backs the carries necessary to, you know, really get into that groove. And then looking to 2021, I think that's the year the J.K. Dobbins takeover really begins. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so the schedules obviously came out a couple of weeks ago. What's your initial thoughts on the schedule so far? The schedule for Baltimore, I th- I think it's a, it's the way it played out was very good for them. I think having five primetime games. It's going to challenge this team, and I think that's what they need. Uh, You know, obviously going and playing Kansas City or Kansas City coming to Baltimore. It's going to be interesting to see how Baltimore reacts to having two Thursday night games in a row. The Ravens have the easiest strength of schedule, you know, when looking at 2019 record. Now, obviously, that's because Cincinnati's on their schedule twice and they had the worst record in the league. You play the whole NFC East, which didn't have the best year themselves. But when you look at the Ravens and their schedule, they made a habit a few years ago of playing down to opponents. And I think that gave them, you know, at least their records, some blemishes that shouldn't have been there. When you look at 2019, they were able to blow out teams they were supposed to blow out. And then the tough games came against, you know, quality opponents. Now, Cleveland, that probably should have been a game you won in week four. But this year you go and... end of that schedule you play the Bengals and you play the Giants and you play the Jaguars people will say oh man that's an easy three and oh well you can't take any opponent lightly when you talk about the NFL because they're all professional football players maybe these teams are tired of tanking maybe Jacksonville you know at this point is whatever it is they've lost 10 straight games and they just want to win you know if the Ravens are cruising into you know a first round bye or playoff seating that could potentially be a trap game for Baltimore. You look at Cleveland, you know, is Cleveland finally going to get over that hump? Ben Roethlisberger coming back for the Ravens, you know, is that going to cause them trouble? Baltimore has an easy schedule in terms of 2019 strength of schedule. But again, nothing's taken for granted in this league. The Ravens, I think, don't have to travel a bunch. I think they travel the least throughout any team in the entire league. So that's going to help them quite a bit after having that grueling West Coast schedule last year. So overall, I think Baltimore has a pretty good schedule for the ability to go get well rested and be able to perform week in and week out. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you have uh, any sort of prediction on uh, win-loss record? Uh, well, I've, I've stuck with it. Uh, I say 15-1. and one. Uh, I'll explain to you why. Uh, I believe that for Baltimore, this, this year is the year that they either go to the Super Bowl or win it. I'm pretty confident in their ability to do that. And the reason I say that is because you look at the additions they made. Baltimore got stronger on the interior of their defensive line, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams gets to move back to nose tackle where Michael Pierce was playing and kind of created that log jam. I think with that pass rush, plus the secondary with Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, you have Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark in the secondary. I mentioned Lamar Jackson might not have, you know, as gaudy of a stat line as he did in 2019, 
but that doesn't mean that he's not going to have a worse season. I think that he'll be more efficient with the football. He'll be smarter with the football. And in turn, you know, the Ravens don't have to go and blow out teams 45 to 6 like they did the Rams on Monday Night Football. If they beat them by three points, a win's a win. If they beat them by, you know, 10 points, a win's a win. And for Baltimore, I don't necessarily think we're going to see those blowout losses come as much in 2020 just because of the fact that maybe the defenses get a little bit better. Maybe the Ravens feel the loss of Marshall Yonda a little bit, and that, you know, creates a hole for Lamar Jackson. But I think this defense is perfectly set up to complement the offense. This is a defense that can hold leads when it's necessary. And if the offense is struggling to put points on the board like it was happening against the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs when it really mattered— you know, then the defense, I think, you know, last season wasn't probably built to contain Derrick Henry. This defense is built to stop the run, to rush the passer, and to cover very tightly. So I think that compared with, you know, the Ravens defense of 2019, it's eons better. And then you talk about the offense, which really didn't lose a ton of starters outside of Marshall Yonda, and then Hayden Hurst you put in there as well. I think it goes hand in hand with the success they'll have. I like it. 15 and one. That's uh, that's bold. And I, I'm all for it. So who, who do you think that loss is to then? I actually have it as Cleveland in week one. And the reason oh. I say that is because I think the Ravens have played, you know, throughout the last few years and throughout their entire history, really as the underdog, somebody who is not given enough credit. And then, you know, every year they seem to outperform expectations or at least get right there. And then they kind of play from the shadows. That was a very different feeling for Baltimore last season and the feeling I'm talking about as being the ones that are not the hunters, but the hunted. You know, Baltimore obviously goes and blows out Miami in week one, comes back and beats Arizona in week two. And, you know, then it's the two and two, but then you go and win 12 straight games, obviously establishing themselves as one of the powerhouses in this league. And I think that with the Ravens having that target on their back, Cleveland, obviously, I think got better. They're actually my seven seed. I think they're finally going to get over that hump and make the playoffs once again. And overall, once Baltimore kind of gets into the groove of playing, I think that things are going to go swimmingly for them. Uh, obviously, winning 15 straight games is is no tough task. But I believe that with the roster and after taking a loss like they did against Tennessee and then to come in week one and potentially lose that game to the Browns, I think that's all the motivation you need to say, look, we were down against Tennessee. Now people don't believe in us because we lost to Cleveland and it's the same old, same old. Let's turn on the Jets and let's go win some football games. And I think that's what Baltimore is going to end up doing. Now, if that loss doesn't come in week one to Cleveland, I think it's going to come in week 14 to Cleveland. I just think Cleveland always gives the Ravens problems for some reason. Uh, I think it's the offense and the defense they run. It, it counters what the Ravens do. But overall, I think that, you know, whether it's Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, the AFC North is going to be a much tougher division than it was last year. And that could contribute as well. Yeah, uh, a couple episodes ago when we did the draft recap for the AFC North, we were saying that this is probably the best draft for a division there were. There wasn't a draft that we didn't like. So it was very hard grading those drafts uh, just because we liked every single team. So uh, we agree with you there. Um, you kind of brought up Yonda retiring and whatnot. So the question I have is, what do you think is the biggest weakness on this Ravens team heading into 2020? I think for Baltimore, it's the veteran leadership at a few positions. I mentioned the wide receiver room. It's it's a bit young. Uh, what that means is guys are just going to have to grow and step up. Uh, I mean, the Ravens didn't bring in a veteran. Uh, they let Seth Roberts go, uh, someone who I think was very undervalued. 
uh, had a pretty big drop in the Tennessee Titans game, and I think that really soured a lot of Ravens fans' opinions on him. But when he was on the field, it was very productive. You, I think Miles Boykin replaces that production, and Duvernay replaces that production. You look at the outside linebacker position, the Ravens brought back Pernell McPhee, but at the moment, excluding the undrafted free agents, you only have four guys right now on the roster who I think are going to be able to play meaningful snaps, and that is Matthew Judon, Tyus Bowser, Jalen Ferguson, and MP himself. You can look at the interior offensive line and I guess the whole offensive line room in general. Uh, there are potentially three positions that are open on that interior. Uh, you know, you could put Ben Bredesen, the fourth rounder out of Michigan, at left guard. You can put Matt Skura, who is coming off a torn ACL, MCL, PCL, and dislocated kneecap on the same play against the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, how is he going to come back from that injury? Is Ben Powers, the guy who learned for a year under Marshall Yonda, is he going to come in and, you know, potentially be the next great guard for Baltimore? There are a lot of unknowns in the interior offensive line, but I think Baltimore has stacked up enough young talent where they can find three guys who can produce and can come in and give Lamar Jackson a good protection wall for the season. So if I had to pick a weakness, I mean, the roster up and down is pretty sound right now, but maybe adding a veteran at a few positions here wouldn't hurt. Awesome. Cool. Um, And then one final question for you that we like to do with all of our guests, and that is, Hey, let's pretend we're a football player. It's late in the season. Uh, it's time to do my cleat, my cause. Uh, do you have a cause or what type of cleat you'd want to wear? Well, I, th- I think in the spirit of what's going on in the world right now, this might be a very popular answer. But I think all the COVID relief uh, situations and funds that are going on right now, uh, it's, it's very important, especially to me, not only to bring sports back, to, but, but to get the world you know relatively healthy and safe again that's what i'm looking forward to and you know if i had my choice to to donate to and to really make an impact for a cause you know the way that the coronavirus has impacted the world you know not just the united states but the world in general you know it's been nothing i could have imagined in my wildest dreams it's just you know everybody's inside or at least the ones who are, are are doing a good service to everybody and it seems to be dividing the world in some instances and I think that for me being able to kind of bridge that gap and do everything I can to help that's really my cause that I would contribute to and I think that it's very important right now that everybody just stays safe and stays healthy because that's ultimately what we can do to beat this virus is do everything we can to stay inside not spread the virus and get back to, to how we were doing. Awesome. I love it. And I totally agree with you and I've all that. So yeah, a uh, great cause for sure. And let's hope that we got football this year. And uh, I know that all of us and all of our listeners are hoping for that as well. Um, all right, Kevin, that's all the questions I have for you today. So thanks for coming on. Um, everybody, you can find Kevin on Twitter at K uh, 34 and then also the at locked on Ravens. And then you can always find me at Justin Trees and then Austin, Austin Cham 33. Uh, so again, Kevin, we appreciate it, you coming on and uh, we'll talk again soon. Beautiful. Thanks for having me. It was a fun chat. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Tonight we've been talking football.